0: Thank you to the worship team. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Yesterday, June 17th, 2017, the official end of the Minnesota Twins season. better this way. <laughs> Text this morning out of the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. And again, certainly hope all the fathers here have a very blessed day today. Romans chapter 8, verse beginning of verse 14 we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace and gospel that you offer to all who accept it and believe in it and trust in it. May this sermon be faithful to your word and a proclamation of your gospel. May it be pointed to you. To your fatherhood of us, Lord. And we pray for the fathers here. That they would be growing in their walks with you daily. Pursuing you daily. Loving their wives sacrificially. Raising their kids godly. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're continuing our series, The Forensics of Faith. So far in this series, we've discussed regeneration. That's the new spiritual life that God works in a believer. Justification, that is right, legal, standing before God. Sanctification, the process through which God makes us holy. All of these are wondrous works of glorious grace that God does in our lives. Today, we focus on our relationship to God because of the salvation through the gospel. When we come to faith in Christ... We are adopted as God's sons and daughters and become members of the family of God. It isn't deserved or merited. It is entirely because of the grace of God through the gospel and the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. He did it so that we could be forgiven of our sins, but also so that we could be in relationship with God. And the main idea of our passage today And the main idea we'll be focusing on today is that God's son died so we could be God's sons. So jumping into our text, Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Everyone who is led by the Spirit is a son of God. Sonship is an important theme in the Bible. And the Old Testament, we see Israel referred to as God's son. And during the Davidic monarchy of Israel, the earthly king of Israel was also referred to as the son of God. But we don't see individuals referring to themselves as God's sons in the Old Testament, nor do we see people referring to God as father in the Old Testament, not on those individual personal levels where the text says sons, of course that includes women as well. But when it talks about being sons of God, the term has this rich Old Testament background that's important to preserve, especially when we consider that the ultimate reason why this is even possible is because of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has enabled us to be adopted by God. The Son of God died so we could be God's sons. This passage also talks about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our relationship to God. We are regenerated by the Spirit. We are sanctified by the Spirit. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and here we are led by the Spirit, as an indication of our adoption into God's family. And if you look at this verse in context, when it's talking about when it's talking about being led by the Spirit, it's referring to be being led by the Spirit. Away from sin. Because we have been given God's Spirit, it is the Spirit which leads a person in holiness and leads a person away from sin. Adherence to the Spirit of God shows a person who really is in the family of God, someone who really has received the Spirit of adoption. Verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We haven't received a spirit of fear, a spirit of doubt, but we have received the spirit of adoption. It is only when a person has faith and the spirit that comes through faith that a person is adopted as God's child. And because the Spirit is God, the Spirit internally witnesses to God. And it is through the Spirit that we cry, as the text says, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word for Father. It's the word Jesus himself used when referring to God. Abba almost sounds like a word a child would use, like Papa or Dada. As little ones are first- learning how to speak, learning how to put words together. In the beginning, it's not even words that they're saying, it's just syllables that they're putting together. But because we have been adopted as sons of God, as God's children, due to the witness of the Spirit in our hearts, we are able to approach the infinite God of the universe in these same intimate terms, in the same way in which his son addressed him, Abba. That when we are in difficulties in life, when we are in the dark nights of the soul, when we are in the stormy seasons, when we are dealing with brokenness and shattered relationships, that we have a personal God to whom we can go and say, Abba, Father. It's an idea I very lightly touched on last Sunday. This idea of the fatherhood of God, of the relationship with God, for us, for Americans, I think it's easy to lose appreciation for the magnitude of what that means. It's just sort of entrenched in our vocabulary with how we talk about God, with how we think about God. God is our Father. Even nominal Christians Know the Lord's Prayer and begins, Our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. Again, that's just part of the way how we talk about God. But in many parts of the world, and in many faiths, such a thing would be radical, if not outright blasphemous, thinking of the Creator as your Father. But God's Son died so we could be God's sons. And because of the gospel, we can approach the king of the universe as our father. Again, do we think about how remarkable that is? You can approach God as your father. If you called your boss your father, he'd think you were crazy. You don't address the president as father, and those are just people. But God Almighty, we can address as Abba, Father. And again, I think too often we treat that like, yeah, so what? We are enabled to approach God that way because of Christ. Not because we deserve it. We don't. God is holy and mighty and perfect and righteous. And we are not. But the God of the universe invites you into a close relationship with him. That's not something that's meant to be taken lightly. In Jewish literature from ancient times, individuals did not refer to God as their father. I've already alluded to this, but in the Bible, the giants of the Old Testament didn't address the Lord as their father. Abraham, who believed in God and was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, the man God said through him, all the nations would be blessed, that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. Did not address God as his father. Moses. The man who led the Israelites out of Egypt. The man to whom God had given the Ten Commandments. The man who was exposed and who was in the presence of the glory of God. And his face shined so brightly. We talked about this last week. That he had to wear a veil. Because people were terrified of it. Didn't address God as his father. David. The man, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. The king of Israel. Jesus is from his family line. The author of 76 Psalms, some of the most loving words ever said about God, David, did not address God as his father. But 39 times in the Gospels, Jesus personally refers to God as his father. And he talked about our relationship to God As being our father as well. I have mentioned the Lord's Prayer. It begins, our father in heaven. But even before that prayer, Jesus says, When you pray, go in your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He makes references to God as your Father immediately after the Lord's Prayer as well. And numerous times in the Gospels, Jesus speaking to his disciples, referring to God in these terms. These great figures of the Old Testament, they don't refer to God as their Father. But Jesus instructs us to do so because of what Christ has done for us. We can be forgiven of our sins. He has invited us into a relationship with God. And because God has given those whom he has forgiven his spirit, we can approach God as Abba, Father. It's not just that we get some new term to use to talk about God. It's that the Spirit of God witnessing and convicting us internally affirms in our heart that God is our Abba, Father. And that we are his children. We have a good God. Some people envision this abstract creator who's not personal or relational. But the Holy Spirit testifies in us to the intimacy of our relationship with God. Saying, Abba, Father. Is that something you've done recently or done ever? And I'm not talking so much about a word, but how do you view God, your concept of God? Do you ever rest in the grace of your heavenly Father? Do you ever find peace and patience in knowing that God is on the throne? I think it's so tempting for us to want to control everything, to want to control our situations. I know it's something I fight against. But we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Father of all creation. We are heirs of grace because what of what Christ has done. We get to approach God as our Father just like how Jesus could because we are adopted as his children. We aren't partially adopted as God's children, we are fully adopted into the family of God. Since the adoption, is a work of God, it's not something we can lose. You can't get disowned from God's family. You are God's child when you place faith in Christ. In times of uncertainty and stress, is the first reaction to panic about it? Is it to worry and be fearful? Or do you think my Father in Heaven knows? He knows me and he knows what's going on and he knows the situation. When you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, do you think, Father, lead me? When you're dealing with someone who's difficult, do you think, Father, soften me. Help me love this person. When you're facing loneliness, do you say, Father, be with me? God adopts us. You cannot be God's child without having been adopted by God. Being able to approach God as your father is something that only his adopted children can do. While all people are created by God, not all people are his sons and daughters. John 1.12 says that for all who believed in him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. In our own passage in verse 16, it is the spirit that testifies that we are children of God. But Without that means that a person, without the spirit means that a person is not adopted by God. And the spirit comes through faith and believing in the gospel. It's not because God needs us that he adopts us or because he's lonely without us. God has always existed in a relationship with himself in the three persons of the Trinity and yet he invites us into a relationship with him, purely because of his goodness and love. We see other references from Paul to adoption. Ephesians 1.5, In love, he predestined us, us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Again, the forgiveness that comes through the gospel is reserved exclusively for the person who has placed faith in Christ. We see some of the language used in Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. God does this when we place faith in Jesus, when we trust in the gospel. The son of God died so that we could be God's sons. None of this is is to say that we should just be totally casual in our relationship to God. In the Ten Commandments, we are told to honor our father and mother, and we should. But we must also honor our Heavenly Father. Jesus honored and revered God. And keep in mind, Jesus is God. We aren't. But nevertheless, we see from Jesus in the Gospels a humility before God. We see him living in perfect fidelity to God's will. God is our Father in heaven. We can experience closeness and intimacy with God. But it's a relationship that also does demand reverence and honor. Verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. There's so much that can be said about these two verses. The Holy Spirit bears witness in your heart that you are a child of God. The Spirit witnessing to God is touching on the doctrine of assurance. But the Spirit assures us that we are God. Once again, a tremendous blessing, an act of grace in our lives. Again, because the gospel, is not about trying to live up to it on your own, trying to do more good than bad. There's just total uncertainty. If you've actually met the mark, because you can't meet the mark, it is entirely because of the grace of Christ. But when we have faith and we have the Spirit of God in us, again, the Spirit testifies within us internally to our heart, that we have faith, that we are walking with God. As always, that's not to say that we don't still ever struggle or sin, because clearly we do. But the status of our faith, because of the grace of God, because of the justification through faith, isn't something that's meant to just be some big unanswered question in our lives. We are called to approach God with fear and trembling, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as the Bible says. <clears throat> but that's not meant for us to doubt the power of the gospel and the grace of Christ in our own lives. The Spirit witnesses internally to our faith. The Spirit bears witness We are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Being adopted as a child of God comes with an inheritance. In the first-century Roman world, their concept of adoption had many similarities to how adoption works here today. Again, adoption doesn't just mean someone has has a new set of roommates; it's becoming part of a family. It's having a new name in Rome for people of the upper classes. If they did not have a male heir, sometimes they would adopt the child from another family. Perhaps the most famous example of this from the ancient Roman world is Augustus Caesar. But here's what's interesting. Since it was oftentimes wealthier families who practiced adoption, it was to carry on the family name. And it was also for the purpose of having an heir to to whom the family would give an inheritance. And that is also true of adopted sons and daughters of God. Again, give it a new name. And you do have privileges through adoption as well. We have an inheritance and a future with God. You have the spirit of God in you. You have the forgiveness of your sins through Christ. You have a relationship with God. We're God's child. But there are also responsibilities of being a child of God. There are greater things we are called to. We are supposed to be like our father. Like father, like son. Like father, like son and daughter. To be like God. After the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We're supposed to be like God in forgiveness, like Father, like Son. Jesus said to be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke that those who love their enemies will be sons of God. He says that the peacemakers will be called sons of God in Matthew 5. Again, part of being a child of God is being like your father. Out of curiosity, how many people here have the exact same job that your how many men have the exact same job that your dad did? Or how many women have the exact same job that your, your mom did? Raise your hands. Anyone? One? Couple? Okay. That's around what I was expecting. In the ancient world, though, it was the opposite situation. Virtually everyone did what their parents did. If your dad was a fisherman, you were a fisherman. If your dad was a farmer, you were a farmer. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, was a carpenter. What did Jesus do? He was a carpenter. You would do the same thing that your that your father did. And it's interesting that Jesus makes these comparisons, these moral activities that we are supposed to do, these moral ways that we are supposed to act in terms of grace and mercy and forgiveness in the lives of other people, we are supposed to be like how our Father is in showing love and grace to other people. Like Father, like Son. We are called upon to do what our Father does too. Obviously, with things that are possible to do, Jesus doesn't say, be all-knowing as your Father is all-knowing. We can't be all-knowing. But in terms of things, again, like love and grace and compassion and mercy, those are ways how we can imitate our Heavenly Father in character and in holiness as God's adopted heirs. We are to live lives as witnesses to God's holiness and His goodness in the world. That's the family business. And part of being an heir with Christ taken directly from the text it says if children then heirs heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him now verse 17 might not be what you would expect shouldn't we be insulated from any sort of suffering or difficulty because he is our loving father because we are heirs Christ wasn't And part of our union with Christ does involve difficulty and suffering. Again, that cuts against the grain of what our society likes to think that Christianity is. That true blessing is always going to be the path of least resistance. But that view is not biblical. The Bible does not hide from the reality of the fallen world in which we live. Sharing in suffering, enduring and persevering in faith through difficulty. And this is a prelude to glory. For a person who truly is adopted and truly is a child of God, even in the difficulties, we still have the Holy Spirit inside us witnessing Abba, Father. Confirming our faith to us. But in being like Christ... We also all have our own crosses to bear. And knowing that, knowing that fact, are you still able to trust in God? Or do you want to go into doubt? Do you want to find scriptures that say that isn't true? What's your response? It's Father's Day today. Some of us have been blessed with incredible dads. Dads who were always there for us, always loving and supportive. But some of us didn't have great dads. Sociologists say that a person's view of their earthly father can actually impact their view of God. But even in spite of challenges, even in spite of difficulties and sufferings, what do we believe about God? Do you believe that he is a good and loving father in the midst of those things. Or do you doubt his goodness? Do you doubt his love? When we face struggles and difficulty. Because God is our loving father. He is with us when we are struggling. He is with us in the difficulties. That is the greatest promise that God makes, us, makes to us in the Bible. It's not that you're freed from difficulty or challenges, it's that you get God We have a loving Heavenly Father and we have access to God through Christ the Son of God died so that we could be God's sons and trusting in that and believing in that and knowing God's goodness in spite of the difficulties we face I talked earlier about Roman adoption. It's striking to me that something that was sometimes practiced in Roman adoptions was that the adopting family giving money to the birth family of their child. The adopted Roman could oftentimes still maintain connections with the birth family and was promised an inheritance in the new family. But it's striking that it came at a cost. It makes me wonder how a passage like this would have been interpreted and understood in the first century Roman world. Because our adoption into God's family came at a cost. The cost of God's son dying so that we could be God's sons. Even today, in domestic adoption, through an adoption agency, the average cost is around $28,000. It comes at a cost. God adopting us as his sons and daughters came at a cost. I read a story this week that I think is a fantastic picture of the gospel. In the book Hidden in Plain Sight, author Mark Buchanan tells a story of a woman named Regine from Rwanda. She had become a Christian and moved to Canada. She met a man named Gordon. They got married and eventually decided to return to her homeland to spread the gospel. The tragedy would strike when her son was murdered in Rwanda. Regina, Regine prayed for clarity for who had done this, but she was filled with bitterness and hatred. Her only son, gone. One day, she had a knock, heard a knock at the door. When she opened the door, there stood a young man. He hesitated. And then he said to her, I am the one who killed your son, Since that day, I've had no life, no peace, so here I am. I am placing my life in your hands. Kill me, I am dead already. Throw me in jail, I am in prison already. Torture me, I am in torment already. Do with me as you wish. The woman had prayed for this day. Now it had arrived, and she didn't know what to do. She found to her own surprise that she did not want to kill him or throw him in jail or torture him. In that moment of reckoning, she found she only wanted one thing. A son. God had a son too. And the son gave his life for you so that you could be called God's son or daughter. Regina took that boy in that day. She made him her own. He had killed her son and deserved wrath and punishment. But... What he instead found was unimaginable grace. Her son's killer found a home. We were outside of the family of God. Our inheritance was not joy in heaven. It was wrath in hell. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was worldliness. It wasn't God as our father. We couldn't make God adopt us. God chose to adopt us because of his love. But the cost of that was his own son, who died for us so that we could be with God. That was the cost for the forgiveness for our sins. The son of God died so we could be God's sons. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son who took the penalty that we deserved who took the punishment that we warranted. We thank you for the grace that we don't deserve that you take us in as your sons and daughters. Let us be people who do cry out, Abba, Father, who know of the loving Father that we have in heaven. And let us continue to honor you and revere you daily. In Jesus' name, amen.